My buddy Brad Bannon, President and CEO of Bannon Communications Research, uh, joins us, and uh, more than a pleasure to have him back with me on this Friday. Hey, Brad, happy Friday. And like I wanted to tell you folks, Bannon Communications Research is a polling, message development, and media firm, and they help labor unions progressive issues groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. And, you know, Brad acquired a new position. He's a weekly weekly blogger for EpicTimes.com. Formerly, he wrote for U.S. News and World Report. Brad, happy Friday. Welcome back. Uh, I understand you're with us this and next hour. Glad to have you on both. I'm always happy to be on. I always look forward to our meetings on Friday, Leslie. Um, me as well, me as well. Um, Brad, you wrote a piece, uh, and uh, you're doing a lot of uh, blogging for EpicTimes.com, your new post uh, there. And uh, in addition, uh, great pieces, as the most recent you uh, wrote, entitled The GOP Debates and Hates. Um, l- talk to me a little bit about uh, some takeaways from last night. We have some audio to go along with that. Um, uh, f- uh, first of all, you know, you write about the GOP debates and hates. So uh, were there any valid debates on that stage? And I say that because most of those Republicans, much like Hillary and Bernie, um, agree with almost everything, you know, out there. It's Donald Trump that stands uh, separate. Uh, So talk to us about some of the um, debate of the GOP last night that that might have been valid if you found any of it was. Well, uh, it's my feeling. Well, one last night, one of the topics, the back and forth between Ted Cruz and Donald Trump uh, was about uh, Ted Cruz citizenship, which you talked about in the open. Uh, to me, that is an example of Donald Trump. His theme of this campaign is basically hatred of Muslims uh, and Mexicans. Uh, and now he's extending it to the Canadians. And by attacking Cruz for his citizenship, it's just like him attacking, uh, you know, Barack Obama for, you know, being too friendly to Muslims and to being too friendly uh, to Mexicans. Uh, And, you know, that debate they had last night is all about the hate of foreigners and hate of people who aren't quote-unquote Americans. And, you know, that's what the central point of the whole GOP campaign is, who hates who hates whom the most? Okay, before we before we go to who hates whom the most, uh, let's listen to Trump talking to Cruz because Trump views Cruz or is trying to paint Cruz as a liability, and the birther thing comes up again. This is cut number two from last night's GOP debate. Back in September, uh, my friend Donald said that he had had his lawyers look at this from every which way, and there was no issue there. There was nothing to this birther issue. Now, <laughs> since September. The Constitution hasn't changed, (laughs) but the poll numbers have. I recognize that Donald is dismayed that his poll numbers are falling in Iowa. But the facts and the law here are really quite clear. Under long-standing U.S. law, the child of a U.S. citizen born abroad is a natural-born citizen. I would note that the birther theories that Donald has been relying on, some of the more extreme ones insist that you must not only be born on U.S. soil, but have two parents born on U.S. soil. Under that theory, not only would I be disqualified, Marco Rubio would be disqualified. Interestingly enough, Donald J. Trump would be disqualified. In Iowa now, as you know, Ted, in the last three polls, I'm beating you. So, you know, you shouldn't misrepresent how well you're doing. 
with the polls. You don't have to say that. In fact, I was all for you until you started doing that because that's a misrepresentation. There are other attorneys that feel, and very, very fine constitutional attorneys, that feel that because he was not born on the land, he cannot run for office. Here's the problem. We're running, we're running. He does great. I win. I choose him as my vice presidential candidate, and the Democrats sue because we can't take him along for the ride. I don't like that, okay? I'll tell you what, Donald, you, you very kindly just a moment ago offered me the VP slot. I'll tell you what, if this all works out, I'm happy to consider naming you as VP. And so if you happen to be right, you could get the top job at no. the end of the day. So you should go out, get a declaratory judgment, let the courts decide, and you why shouldn't you, have mentioned the polls because I would have been much but different. Why now? Why are you raising this issue now? Because now he's doing a little bit better. Yeah, at least he, I, I got to give Trump that. I hate Trump, okay? But at least he was being honest. He's like, look, now he's doing better. Although I have to say, I agree with Trump in the sense of take it to a court. There's going to be an answer here because there are more people that travel internationally. There are more women in the workforce that might have a baby overseas, but they're American, but the child's not born in the U.S., and, of course, more and more people, just like me. My son is adopted. My husband and I are American-born citizens. Does my adopted son born in another country have the right to run for president someday? So I think we should take it to a court, and Ted Cruz should. And especially if he wins, he can, you know, you know, he can, he can, he can use that flag, if you will, uh, and put it on his chest. We'll be back with Brad Bannon. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. We're back. We being me, Leslie Marshall. Hey there. Happy Friday. And Brad Bannon, my co-host and partner in crime uh, every Friday. Hey, Brad, thanks for holding. Welcome back. Before we move on to some other audio cuts and other conversation about other points of last night, um, we just heard that cut of Trump to cruise your liability as a candidate. Do you agree with me, Brad? Let's bring it before the court. I mean, at some point, this has to be answered once and for all. Well, yeah, and it probably will someday. But in terms of the law, both Trump and Cruz along. And now I'm putting on my political science professor hat. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, despite what Ted Cruz says, and he should know better because he was a clerk to a Supreme Court justice, is no federal court has ever ruled on the residency requirement. Not one. And the reason a court hasn't ruled on the uh, constitutional eligibility of, an, of a you know, non-American, someone born outside the United States, is because federal courts don't give advisory opinions. They only give pin, opinions when there's an actual case. So if Ted Cruz, the only way we'll find out is whether Ted Cruz is constitutionally eligible or not, is if he's actually elected president, uh, because then you have a real case and the Supreme Court would rule at that point. But no federal court has ever issued an opinion on this issue because federal courts don't do advisory opinions. And the only way we'll ever find out is to elect Ted Cruz. Uh, and at that point, the federal courts may hear, would, probably would hear a case. But we have no way of knowing how they're ruled because they've never ruled on the issue. Uh, Trump, uh, of course, is wrong because he keeps asking for a declaratory opinion, and he should know that federal courts don't do declaratory 
Tory uh, opinions. They never have, and they never will. So they're both wrong about this debate. All right. Thank you, uh, Professor Bannon. And he does teach. You teach at Suffolk University in Boston, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, and you teach, you teach poli-sci? I teach poli-sci. Okay. Thank you, Professor Bannon. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about... Um, uh, nothing funny or laughing matter here. And, and you talked about how angry Trump is and, and bigoted, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, Trump last night um, actually uh, answered uh, the angriest voices remarks by Governor um, Haley. And before we play that cut, which is number seven for my crew, um, before we play that cut, Brad, um, what did you feel about uh, Governor Haley's GOP response in, in, in the, the attacks against Trump particularly? I loved him. I did too. You know, it's interesting, but the tone of Governor Haley's speech was almost exactly the same as the tone of President Obama's speech, because he made the same pitch in the State of the Union address uh, that, you know, saying, saying stuff uh, doesn't solve any problems. And then Haley said that the, if the angriest person in the room, it gets heard, but never solves the problem. Uh, so, yeah, it was both of them went directly at Donald Trump, uh, which I thought was interesting, since one of them is a Democratic president and the other is a Republican governor. Uh, but uh, I think Governor Haley represented a lot of the concerns that mainstream Republicans have about Trump and what a disaster it would be if he actually wins the nomination. Do you think I think she would fare well on that stage? Oh, yes, yeah, she would. She's uh, more mo- she's more moderate. I, I mean, I think she's a stronger female than Carly Fiorina. And I think she I think she actually, uh, you know, I, I don't think that she would be uh, mocked if not by Trump. But I don't think she would be hated. Um, and uh, would I don't think her fighting inspiring with Trump would help his poll numbers. I don't know. I think she's uh, more intelligent and more politically savvy than Fiorina, more likable and more moderate, which means she just, you know, has the ability to have a larger likability politically. Well, I think you're right about that, Leslie, and she made herself a national Republican star the other night uh, because – Hey, uh, hey, you know, uh, where's that song? we got to play my, my one of my favorite rap songs, and my husband's like, it's because he's a white rapper. I'm a white chick, right? Wrong, wrong, wrong. But Eminem, right? Uh, you know, you got one shot. Right. You get one shot. That's what he says. And uh, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. You know, don't blow it. This is it. Right. Um, You know, the next time, you know, four years from now, when we're in the next campaign, my guess is she's a serious contender for the GOP presidential nomination. I would agree. I'm not sure if it's going to happen or if definitely she'll be picked for a VP. So let's play that cut number seven. This was Trump answering uh, that remark uh, from Governor Haley and not remark many remarks regarding angriest voices in the party. Here's cut seven. Nikki this afternoon said I'm a friend of hers, actually a close friend. And I wherever you are sitting, Nikki, I am a friend. We're friends. That's good. But she did say she did say there was anger. And I could say, oh, I'm not angry. I'm very angry because our country is being run horribly. And I will gladly accept the mantle of anger. Our military is a disaster. Our health care is a horror show. Obamacare, we're going to repeal it and replace it. We have no borders. Our vets are being treated horribly. Illegal immigration is beyond belief. Our country is being run by incompetent people. And yes, I am angry. 
and I won't be angry when we fix it. But until we fix it, I'm very, very angry. And I say that to Nikki. So when Nikki said that, I wasn't offended. She said the truth. One of the commenter, one of your colleagues interviewed me and said, well, she said you were angry. And I said to myself, huh, she's right. I'm not fighting that. I didn't find it offensive at all. I'm angry because our country is a mess. Okay, let's talk about a few things. Immigration, we have more deportations and less people. We have more people being deported and less people coming into this country um, uh, since uh, President Obama took office. And that's hurt him, actually, in the past and even currently uh, with uh, the uh, Latino population uh, and even with some other countries. Um, uh, First, Uh, secondly, uh, we don't have borders, really. Then how come Border Patrol will arrest your ass when you come over them from Canada or Mexico? And how come I have to provide my passport if I go to Mexico or Canada? There is a definite demarcation in the sand there. There is a border. And he talks about being angry. You know, I, I respect more and understand anger from the guy that's working two jobs to put food on the table that used to work one. Or a guy that used to have a full-time job and his hours were cut back, because, you know, or he lost his job because, you know, some rich CEO with his, you know, elevator for his car shipped his company and his job overseas. I get that. But when Trump talks about how bad our country is doing and how bad things are, it's kind of hard to believe from a guy who is so well off, who is so wealthy and could actually write a check to this country to help it. Well, you're exactly right on all the counts, Leslie. One of the great things about being Trump, Donald Trump is you can say anything, whether it's true or not, and Republican primary voters take it as gospel. Uh, illegal immigration is way down now from where it was when George W. Bush was president. Uh, deportations are up. You're right about all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, Donald Trump would you know, have you believe that the opposite is true. The other thing about the immigration issue is I, I get to see all the campaign ads because I'm in the New Hampshire media market. And he's run, Trump is running an ad now, uh, which a lot of people have probably seen because there's been a lot of comment, you know, beating up on Muslims and Mexicans. And in the commercial, Trump says he's going to build a wall and get Mexico to pay for it. There's no way he can do that. Uh, He just lives in this... Well, first of all, we can't afford the wall. We have more money than Mexico. They certainly can't afford the wall, and you cannot tell another country what to do, absolutely. Well, Donald Trump would disagree with you, Leslie. I agree with you, but Donald Trump is living in a fantasy world. I, I I agree with you 100. percent We have we have a lot of uh, audio uh, to do here and uh, to share here. Um, I had mentioned Carly Fiorina. I had mentioned that I think that Governor Haley would be a better uh, woman to run up against Hillary than her. Uh, but Carly, Carly Fiorina had some things to say and certainly took a uh, jab at Hillary and even at her marriage. And we're going to talk about this, but let's play that cut first. It's very brief. It's cut number eight. I'm not a political insider. I haven't spent my lifetime running for office. The truth is I've had and been blessed by a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things in my life. And unlike another woman in this race, I actually love spending time with my husband. Brad, Brad, was I was I sleeping? Did Hillary ever say she didn't like spending time with her husband? Uh, 
Uh, no, I've never heard that either, Leslie. Again, and, and being that, we, uh, see, this is what I don't understand. She said she likes spending time with her husband, although I've never seen her husband uh, on the campaign trail. Um, Hillary Clinton gets crap for sending her husband out to campaign for her, or he volunteered, whichever. She gets crap for standing by her man, and now she gets crap and accused of not wanting to spend time with her husband. Where the hell does that come from? And and what bothers me more so is not just an, an attack on somebody else's marriage, but that a woman's doing it. Because I feel the attacks on Hillary's marriage are very sexist. What do you say? Well, first of all, I think all these Republican attacks from Trump, Cruz, Fiorina, and the whole gang of them on Bill Clinton are going to backfire. And there's a very simple reason for it. A couple of months ago, I saw a national poll by Bloomberg News. They asked people how they felt about Bill Clinton, and they asked people how they felt about George W. Bush. And guess one which guess which one was a lot more popular than the other. Well, one. every approval rating I have seen of Bill Clinton nationally, internationally, he beats every Republican running. Trump as well. He even beats his own wife. He has an extremely oh, yeah. he has an extremely high approval rating. He has a high approval rating even among Republicans. He certainly has a high approval rating worldwide and in this nation as post president. And I honestly think, and I said it on TV, and Fox News tweeted it out there that if he ran today, he would win. Well, you're right on all counts. And to give you the exact numbers, in the recent Bloomberg News survey, 63% of Americans thought Bill Clinton was a good president, twice as many as thought he was a bad president, 31%. People, 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 people on House of Cards would kill for those numbers. Yeah, but look at and get the George W. Bush numbers. 45% of Americans thought George W. Bush was a good president. 50% thought he was a bad president. So if you want to debate ex-presidents, I'll take ours over theirs anytime. Um, I agree with you, and I just and, and this is just another. Actually, I think it does more damage for her if they harp on Benghazi, even though they have nothing there, than if they harp on Bill Clinton's uh, sexual life. Especially when you look at Donald Trump, who was married to one woman who had three children, and he cheated on her, impregnated the woman he cheated on her with, didn't marry the woman he impregnated until, uh, un, uh, until she had the child when he had been divorced for some time, and cheated on Marla Maples as well, and now is married to his third wife and his children with three different women. I really don't think somebody like that should be judging somebody else's uh, sexual prowess, adultery, or behavior with women, period. You know, I think the same thing, Leslie, and I was amazed a couple of weeks ago when uh, Bill Clinton was on a campaign trail and Trump started taking shots at the Clinton marriage. I was surprised no one ever mentioned that. I mean, here you have a guy who's a serial adulterer who's been married three times now criticizing a couple who've been married for something like 30 years and have made their marriage work despite all the problems. And, and this is, I was saying this to my mother in the car earlier today, and I think I've mentioned this uh, on radio, or I can't, I think it was radio as opposed to television. Sometimes I forget, I say it on TV, I say it on radio. If you are a sexual predator, you don't stop that behavior, okay? That's what the, the statistics show. That's what experience, my experience shows, at least with the knowledge of other sexual predators, uh, Bill Cosby comes to mind. And I say that because prior to running for president, there was no charge against Bill Clinton, nobody dragging him into court 
and saying he sexually assaulted me, he raped me, etc. Once he was running for president, people came out of the woodwork. They either wanted their name in lights, people found them and said, hey, you can get some money out of this, you can get a book deal. They wanted the 15 seconds of fame. We know he cheated with Jennifer Flowers. Uh, we know that there was a payout made to Paula Jones, but he still maintains he was innocent. There are people, doctors especially, that will write checks when they have not been in the wrong just to avoid court, make it go away, get rid of the headache and the stress. That's why they have insurance uh, and lawyers out there. In addition, um, Monica Lewinsky, although I do feel it was wrong and he took advantage of her, not only because he cheated on his wife, but because he took advantage of a young, impressionable girl who was uh, bedazzled by his power and status uh, and, who, and who he was. And he clearly was never going to have a future with, uh, despite, I'm sure, her grandeur of delusion there. Um, it, it was consensual. But since that time, there has never been one allegation of adultery, one allegation of harassment, one allegation of rape towards Bill Clinton. So did Bill Clinton just stop being a sexual predator, or was he maybe never a sexual predator to begin with? Well, uh, I think I agree with your assessment. He clearly had acted wrong towards Monica Lewinsky. I agree with you there. But, you know, the reality is... I will take the woman who's been who's managed to stick with a troubled marriage and and is stuck in that marriage for over 30 years over the guy who gets divorced when he has a hiccup. Well, that's a very good point. You know why, Brad? Because if you if you push that to business, okay, or to a government, to a staff, to Congress, to the American people, to a nation, you you don't ditch it when the going gets rough. You stick with it and you weather the storm. Not unless you're Donald Trump. All right, let's take a break on that note. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon co-hosting this in next hour. We're talking about some key moments from the State of the Union last night. We'd love for you to weigh in if you watched it and even if you just uh, had some uh, sound bites that you love. We'd love to hear from all of you. You may not be Democrats, so, you know, maybe. And there are Democrats that watched it, like me, because i got to talk about it today. Brad Bannon is my co-host. I'm Leslie Marshall. Hey there. Pick up the phone to join us. We are talking last night's debate. We're going to talk some other things, and we might even talk Academy Awards. It's a mishmash on this Friday. Join us and have fun in the conversation, whether you're driving home, stuck at your desk, stuck at home. I know some of you have had a break from uh, snow or uh, colder temps, depending on where you are. It's been bloody cold here in uh, Southern Cali. Uh, for the winter, I've had to turn on heat more times this week than I have normally in a year. I know, wah, wah, wah. I know, it's like, oh my God, it's 57 degrees with no sun. 8886-LESLIE, uh, 888-653-7543 is the number. Pick up the phone and join us, and Brad is back with me in this next hour, this last hour on this Friday of the program this week uh, and today. Brad, uh, thank you for uh, holding. Welcome back. Let's uh, continue some chat from the D uh, GOP debate. Um, uh, we, we, you know, we talked about a lot of different things. One of the things that Rubio and Cruz clashed over last night was a proposed VAT tax. That's a value added tax. That's something, uh, you know, that Canadians have. Um, that is definitely a more liberal and even socialist viewed tax, correct? Yeah, it is. Traditionally it's been, but interestingly enough, uh, in the last few years, a number of conservatives have started to talk about it. It's sort of the reverse of health care. The Republicans came up with the idea for uh, Obamacare, uh, and then it was adopted by the Democrats. Uh, this idea was uh, developed by liberals, and now it's being adopted by conservatives. 
Okay, well, let's see. We have um, cut number one, which is, as I said, these two uh, sparring, Rubio and Cruz, clashing, really, over the proposed value-added tax known as VAT tax. Number one. Here's the one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to have something that Ted described in his tax plan. It's called the value-added tax. It is a tax you find in many companies in Europe where basically businesses now will have to pay a tax both on the money they make, but they also have to pay taxes on the money they pay their employees. And that's why they have it in Europe, because it's a way to blindfold the people. That's what Ronald Reagan said. Ronald Reagan opposed the VAT tax because he said it was a way to blindfold the people so the true cost of government was not there for them. When I am president of the United States, I'm going to side with Ronald Reagan on this and not Nancy Pelosi, and we are not having a VAT tax. Marco has been floating this attack for a few weeks now, uh, but the problem is the business flat tax in my proposal is not a VAT. A VAT is imposed as a sales tax when you buy a good. This is a business flat tax. It is imposed on businesses, and a critical piece that Marco seems to be missing is that this 16% business flat tax enables us to eliminate the corporate income tax. It goes away. It enables us to eliminate the death tax. If you're a farmer, if you're a rancher, if you're a small business owner, the death tax is gone. We eliminate the payroll tax. We eliminate the Obamacare taxes. And listen, there's a real difference between Marco's tax plan and mine. Mine gives every American a simple flat tax of 10%. Marco's top tax rate is 35%. My tax plan enables you to fill out your taxes on a postcard so we can abolish the IRS. Marco leaves the IRS code in with all of the complexity. We need to break the Washington cartel, and the only way to do it is end all the subsidies and all the mandates and have a simple flat tax. First of all, you may rename the IRS, but you're not going to abolish the IRS because there has to be some agency that's going to collect your VAT tax. Someone's going to be collecting this tax. Okay, um, I, and and we you know talked about that before the cut. Uh, let's talk about um, something else from last night. I have to say, the only time I was really impressed with Marco Rubio last night was when he attacked Cruz, and they were attacking each other a lot. And Rubio attacked Cruz and Christie, but when he talked about Cruz specifically flipping his vote for political gain. And, you know, flip-flopping, you know, saying one thing and voting another way. What was your opinion on that from last night? Uh, well, I think the interesting thing about that is uh, right now uh, an independent committee uh, that is aligned with Ted Cruz uh, is running an ad up in New Hampshire, and I assume in Iowa too, uh, that shows uh, Marco Rubio uh, as a weather vane for changing his position on immigration reform 11 times. Uh, so there's plenty of issue uh, flipping to go around here. Absolutely. Um, let's play that cut. Uh, let's see. It is cut number. Uh, let's play cut number three. This is Rubio to Cruz, and this is talking about him flipping his vote and doing it for political gain. You used to say you supported doubling the number of green cards. Now you say that you're against it. You used to support a 500% increase in the number of guest workers. Now you say that you're against it. You used to support, you used to support legalizing people that were here illegally. Now you say you're against it. You used to say that you were in favor of birthright citizenship. Now you say that you are against it. And by the way, it's not just on immigration. You used to support TPA. Now you say you're against it. I saw you on the Senate floor flip your vote on crop insurance because they told you it would help you in Iowa. And last week we all saw you flip your vote on ethanol in Iowa. 
for the same reason. That is not consistent conservatism. That is political calculation. Every single time that there has been a defense bill in the Senate, three people team up to vote against it. Bernie Sanders, Rand Paul, and Ted Cruz. In fact, the only budget you have ever voted for, Ted, in your entire time in the Senate is a budget from Rand Paul that brags about how it cuts defense. Here's the bottom line, and I'll close with this. If I'm president of the United States and Congress tries to cut the military, I will veto that in a millisecond. I appreciate your dumping your oppo research folder on, on the debate no, it's your stage, record. But, but I will say you think at, least, like each at other? least half of the things Marco said are flat out false. They're absolutely false. So let's start, let's start with immigration. Let's start with immigration and have a little bit of clarity. Marco stood with Chuck Schumer and Barack Obama on amnesty. I stood with Jeff Sessions and Steve King. Marco stood today, standing on this stage, Marco supports legalization and citizenship for 12 million illegals. I opposed and oppose legalization and citizenship. And by the way, the attack he keeps throwing out on the military budget, Marco knows full well I voted for his amendment to increase military spending to $697 billion. What he said, and he said it in the last debate, it's simply not true. And as right, president, I will Lord, rebuild the military and keep this country All right, safe. we have to stop. Um, okay, and uh, I, I want to talk about that, too, because, Brad, when Cruz said, and and, and the disrespect, calling him Marco, I mean, they do, uh, both. They, they, you know, they both have earned their titles, all have earned their titles, quite frankly, and Trump really is the only one with no title, but instead of saying Donald, they should call him Mr. Trump, I, you know, so two things, one, do you agree with me that they should... Uh, give each other the proper titles or say mister to be more professional and, and respect each other and show that respect because they are opponents in the same game one and two ted cruz says that rubio's half right okay and that means that half wrong that means he's half right <laughs> on his claims and accusations against ted cruz well i agree with you on in both cases first of all i think it's important to remember we're not electing a dog catcher here uh, we're electing a president of the United States who is the leader of the free world and commander-in-chief of our armed forces. Therefore, I think anybody running for president and could be president should be treated with some dignity because it demeans the office of the presidency, and when you demean the office of the presidency, you're demeaning the United States. So absolutely, I agree with you there. Um, you know, you may know... Leslie and Brad, can I jump in about that thought, Brad? I think No. Yes, of course you can. Of course. Brad, I think you make a great point, but don't you think that roots from them already disrespecting President Obama and the way they talk about him at these debates, like... You know, and I think it's just they lowered the bar. That's a good point. They lowered the bar when they started with that. They lowered the bar. I agree. And, you know, just to give you an example, any time I've been on the show with you or I and we've talked about George W. Bush uh, or I've written about George W. Bush and I've written some pretty scathing things about how awful a president he is, and I've probably said the same things on your show, I never refer to him as W. or Bush. I always call him Bush, uh, President Bush uh, II, or something like that, to distinguish him from his father. And as much as I dislike George W. Bush uh, and think he was a horrible president, maybe the worst we've ever had, except for maybe Nixon, I still treat, say, identify him as President Bush because it's not the person, it's the office that's important. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, Bill O'Reilly and I agree on that. Um, and you do, I do say, uh, you know, president. Uh, and I do say, and I'll, I'll give people their formal, you know, their titles. I, you know, I've never understood why we call, uh, no disrespect to him, it's just the one I thought about, Huckabee Governor Huckabee, because you were once governor. Do you know <laughs> You know what I mean? Does that mean, you know what I'm saying? It's uh, Yeah, absolutely. You know, but we do. That's what we do in our society, and therefore, you know, we should uh, continue. Uh, let's take a call before we go to break, and let's go to Paul in New Mexico, Line 3. Paul, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Happy Friday. Uh, we'd love to hear your two cents on the conversation. I'd love to. Uh, thanks, Leslie. Um, just two, two points and you may take them tongue-in-cheek because they are. I mean, the RNC should be, um, I mean, the candidates must be furious that he books these, these debates on prime time. I mean, Saturday in the middle of, uh, or Sunday in the middle of a three-day weekend is much smarter, like the Debbie Wasserman Schultz has done. Okay, Brad? Uh, well, I respectively disagree with you. Um, <laughs> Every time the Republicans have a debate, uh, they're speaking to 20 million people. Uh, because our debates uh, are on Friday nights, uh, six days before Christmas. Uh, it was a Saturday night. The biggest movie premiere of the year, Star Wars. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to be on Sunday night, we're going to be complaining uh, uh, competing against an NFL playoff game, and we're going to get about 7 million watch our debate compared to the 20-some million who watch the Republicans. Who, and, and, Brad, because you know more about this process than I do, whose bright haha idea is this, and why don't the candidates either have the ability uh, to weigh in? Hillary Clinton is no uh, newcomer to this, and certainly I would imagine ha- ha- would have some power with the networks to, to change that, No. Well, uh, first of all, I think the the idea came from, and I think it was a very poor idea, and one will backfire on Democrats. Uh, this was the idea of the chairwoman of the Democratic National Committee, Deb, Debbie Watson Schultz, who was a Clinton supporter. Now, I think Schultz did this because she felt the. Uh, it would be difficult for Bernie Sanders to get any traction if he didn't have an exposure one-on-one with uh, Hillary Clinton. But you're right, because Hillary Clinton, in my estimation, I think we've had, what, three Democratic debates so far? I think she has won each debate decisively. Uh, So I think Chairwoman Schultz may have underestimated uh, her candidate because Hillary Clinton is a very fine debater, and I think the debate so far helped her a lot more than they felt Bernie Sanders. Could I make one other point, Leslie? Yeah, go ahead, before our break. I I couldn't disagree more. You know, I mean, the the facts, if you just honestly look at where all the enthusiasm is, and it's happening all on the Internet. The only place I get Bernie news is on the Internet. You know, even my beloved talk radio, and I listen to you, Leslie, every day. I love your show. But it, it does make me cringe a bit. We're talking about Republicans this whole show, and it's like, um, well, we are talking about, we're talking about, wait a minute, we're talking about the Republicans for a couple of reasons. I, they, I mean, they, they can't, you can't, time debate. Well, well, not only, not only did they have a primetime debate, because I would be talking about the Democrats, if it was a Democratic debate last night, regardless of what show is airing or, or what uh, Grammy, you know, what award show, what movie is uh, launching. And, okay. and, the, and, and the reason for that is it's news. And in addition to that. We cannot ignore, and we shouldn't ignore, that there are people out there right now that don't 
have any allegiance to a party. Maybe they were part of the party in the past and they're not now. There are people out there looking at everybody speaking and they're going to make a decision as to who they're going to vote for as president because they're not, you know, a Democrat or Republican in the primary. And, you know, seriously, I I want us to ta- have this conversation. We we can't ignore just because I'm a Democrat and I want Hillary Clinton to be my president. And I certainly want a Democrat to be president. I would rather Bernie or Hillary than anybody on that stage last night. We can't just put the uh, you know, our head under the pillow, blankets over our head, and pretend that all those people on that stage don't exist. And not one of them, perhaps even Trump, uh, will be on another platform and could easily win. I don't think we can ignore that. I think we need to have this conversation. I agree, but. Um, you know, and I respect your your support of Hillary, and, and yes, if she's the nominee, I'll vote for her. But I'm seeing so much uh, chat and traffic of furious progressives that it's almost like they, uh, you know, Debbie must believe in the Stockholm syndrome that we're gonna we're gonna fall in love with our torturers because it's been a tortured schedule. You know, it's been a tortured. Let's hide Bernie at all costs, because in 2008, the more we saw Barack Obama, the more we liked him. And the same thing's happening with Bernie. You, see, you know of, what? You know what? Although, 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 although she is a fan and definitely, uh, you know, is going to be supporting, you know, Hillary Clinton, even though she can't say so and won't. Uh, and I agree with Brad on that. I don't I don't think she's hiding Bernie, because quite frankly, Hillary has uh, benefited from the last couple of debates. And right now, when you're so close, when you're so close as they are uh, in Iowa and New Hampshire, I, I, if anything, I, I think it would benefit Hillary. What do you think, so Brad? If- Brad? Brad, I want Brad to weigh in for one sec. Well, first of all, uh, I Okay, we're going to take a break, guys. Hold on. We're coming right back to both of you. Don't go away. Time is not within my control yet. We're working on it. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. You're holding. Hang on. You want to join us? 8886 Leslie. 8886537543. It's a very good uh, point uh, that our caller brings up. Here's the deal. When we watch Republicans on TV on these debates, there's nothing else going on. We're tuning in. Huge ratings are happening for these networks. But the Democrats, hey, let's put it out the night Star Wars launches. Let's put it out the night they got a big NFL game. Let's put it out on a holiday weekend or on a holiday when nobody's around. Why is this being done? Is it stupidity? Is it intentional? And why? Is it to hide Hillary or is it to hide Bernie? I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Who are you? We want to hear from you. 888-6LESLIE. 888-653-7543. Back after this. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6LESLIE. and talk radio and uh, then in paula new mexico one of our callers hold on we have some other calls we're going to be going to pick up the phone and join us if you haven't already 8886 leslie 888-653-7543 on twitter follow me there at leslie marshall um there are people saying uh, we'll talk about that in a minute uh michael says cruz was calling trump a liberal and i agree 
Um, uh, uh, and uh, there were others that said that the debate last night was a joke. A lot of uh, different tw- tweets. Gary says that was a debate, no real issues, and not once was science mentioned. Um, BZ says GOP candidates are not too bright when it comes to foreign affairs. And Larry says maybe high schools should have been taken a bit more seriously, more learning and less attention on clothes. Leslie Marshall, Brad Bannon, President and CEO of Bannon Communications Research, blogger for EpicTimes.com, and poli-sci professor. You should add that, Brad. Uh, I'm adding it. Poli-sci, a political science professor at Suffolk University in Boston. Uh, let's uh, continue uh, my home city. Let's continue with the calls. Uh, Paul in New Mexico, thank you for holding, buddy, there on line three. Welcome back. Paul was bringing up a good point, which is what the heck is up with the debate schedule? Um, and, uh, Brad, you were going to answer um, a question I posed before the break, and I had to wait till break. We're back from break, so take it away. Well, I personally, this is my personal opinion. First of all, I think our debate schedule is a disgrace. Uh, the Republicans are getting two times, sometimes three times as much exposure, public exposure, as our candidates are. And that will come and back and bite us on the butt at some point. Uh, why the chairwoman decided to do this, I think she was trying to protect Hillary Clinton. I think she felt that if uh, no one heard Bernie Sanders uh, or saw him, that uh, Hillary would have an easier time. But what I, you know, but the irony of all this is that if Hillary Clinton wins the nomination, Schultz's decision is going to end up hurting Hillary uh, because the Republican nominee will have a lot more exposure uh, than Hillary Clinton. So I think she did do it to help Hillary Clinton, but I think it was a poor move, and I think it it also will bite Hillary on the butt later on. All right. And, Brad, uh, and anything? Oh. Yes, uh, go, uh, go ahead. Uh, one more last thing, so because we, we, we got to get to some other yeah, calls. Not Brad, that I, I don't want to you, thank you for you that analysis because I, 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 I needed to hear that. Um, and also, uh, Leslie, I hope we we talk about the Democratic debate on Tuesday the 19th. You're not going to broadcast on um, Martin Luther King, right? Uh, actually, no. We are uh, well. No. We're broadcasting, but I, I, we're, we're we're pre-recording, so it'll be things you've never heard. Right. I won't physically be there, but I have pre-recorded the which emails. I'll listen to. But on Tuesday the 19th, it'll be two days old. But let's talk about the Democratic debate. You have it, and we we plan we we plan on it absolutely. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. Um, and uh, let's continue with the calls, and let's go next to Jeff in Albuquerque, who's on line five. Jeff, good afternoon, happy Friday. What's your take on this? Hey, Leslie. Hey, Brad. I just wanted to say, as a lifelong Democrat and also a former employee of the party, I'm actually not really concerned if the DNC chair is trying to help Bernie. I'll say that for two reasons, or Hillary, rather, not Bernie. I'll say that for two reasons. And these are both facts which I think seem to get lost sometimes in the debate. The first is that Bernie just joined the party last year in order to run for president. He obviously does not have the same commitment to the institution of the Democratic Party that Hillary Clinton does. He's been a member for, I think it's roughly four decades. And then second, last year, in the midst of both of them raising an immense amount of money, Hillary also raised $20 million for the Democratic Party. 
And as a former employee, I can tell you that that's very, very important for the party up and down the, from the, all the way from mayor to dog catcher. I mean, frankly, that's the sort of behavior that I see a person who wants to become the leader of the party ought to exhibit, regardless of whether it's in the primary or any other time. So based on those two things, I think she ought to help Hillary, frankly. Brad? Well, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think she is helping Hillary. Well, she thinks she's helping Hillary. The problem is that she's hurting Hillary uh, because once we, if Hillary is the nominee, she will go into this race with a lot less exposure than the Republican nominee. So I think she was trying to help Hillary Clinton, but I think what she really will end up doing is hurting her. All right, thank you. Uh, anything else from our caller? Anything else, Jeff? Well, I'm actually, I'm inclined to disagree with you on that, Brad. I think that, frankly, the people, the reason why people are watching the Republican debates is because they're just waiting to see what moronic phrase will come out next. <laughs> so I feel like that attention going into the general election is actually fuel for future commercials. Yeah, but Jeff, 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 a couple of things. Now that, they, you know, the first two debates between Hillary and Bertie showed as they do and have said that they like and respect each other. And we clearly saw that. It was a bit of kumbaya going on, right? But... Um, with the recent ads, first by Hillary and then by Bernie, even though he doesn't mention her by name, and Ra- Rachel Maddow got on Hillary and said that she was, um, you know, smearing him or, you know, insulting his and questioning his character, and I don't think she was. Uh, don't you think people need to tune in who might not be able to, who look at the Republicans and say, oh, my God, what a bunch of buffoons. Let me see what the Democrats have to offer, because once again, although, uh, you know, uh, th- there are Democrats, registered Democrats out there who maybe have left the party in the past and been uh, unhappy and maybe unhappy now want to come back. Don't you think that we want the largest potential audience of those that are going to be voting in uh, the primary uh, to decide between their two candidates who, who quite frankly, on most issues, except for maybe Wall Street, uh, you know, where Bernie certainly uh, differs than Hillary, and maybe on guns and even, you know, health care, that's almost pretty much the three only things they disagree on or is it and i think people need to be educated to that by those people and also have the opportunity to hear how they would go about handling certain things whether it be isis or the situation in syria whether it be immigration so that they can make a more informed decision as a voter i i I fully agree with you on that leslie but at the same time one of my big disappointments in bernie is that i've yet to hear him say how he would get a single one of his controversial proposals through a Republican-controlled House. And without sort of vital information, I can't help but feel like it's nothing but rhetoric. Right, but doesn't that help Hillary? And even though I'm a Hillary girl, isn't that what these debates are supposed to be for? Clearly, at the end of the debate, somebody comes out the winner, and somebody comes out the loser or the runner-up. Well, let me say something here. Again, I think our debate schedule is a disgrace. Uh, And the reason I think it's a disgrace is that I think if you watch the Dem- our debates, the Democratic debates and the Republican debates, our debates, our candidates have, have performed a lot better than their candidates. The problem is no one's seeing our debates because of the ridiculous scheduling. Um, yeah, well, the, exactly. It, it, but, uh, you know, we don't – is this being done intentionally or is this, you know, just stupidity or a bit of both? Uh, and Anything else uh, to you, Jeff, in Albuquerque? No, I mean, and I, I agree with you, except for that I don't think that you can really blame the DNC for people not choosing to watch a debate regardless of what time you schedule it. 
you want to be an informed citizen, you'll watch the debate whenever it is. Christmas? Uh, Are you kidding? Brad, what did you say? Who's going to stay home watching a debate six days before Christmas? And the answer is no one. No, well, I think we we already saw the numbers from that. Uh, You know, certainly the numbers with the uh, Democratic debate have not uh, been that of the uh, Republican debate. And obviously they're more on the stage with Republicans. And I think think people are more – sided with Hillary or Bernie. But then again, I mean, obviously the date that it's running cannot be questioned. Jeff, thank you for the call. Happy New Year. Hope to hear from you again and appreciate um, appreciate the uh, compliment on the show and that you listen and that you're very educated and that you used to work at the party. It brings uh, a good flavor to the program. Thank you. Um, and uh, uh, the, 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 the point that the caller made, by the way, about uh, Bernie uh, helping the DNC and the campaign says the uh, DNC and Debbie Wasserman Schultz won't coordinate with them to do so. Uh, she said, quote, we remain happy to work with them. Uh, Sanders spokesman Michael Briggs said over the weekend, just Saturday, when asked about joint fundraising efforts, uh, saying the party hasn't given us any dates for events. Does this speak more to the I'll do anything to help Hillary? And also because if she helps Hillary, she's hoping perhaps to have a larger post than she currently holds. Well, I think uh, both. I think she's uh, dismissing Bernie Sanders out of hand. And, you know, it may very well up. I agree with you, Leslie. I think when push comes to shove, I think Hillary Clinton is going to be the nominee. Um, And I think that uh, Congresswoman Schultz uh, would very much like to be in the Hillary Clinton cabinet. And my guess is she feels entitled because she rigged this thing uh, in favor of Hillary Clinton. But I don't think it favors Hillary Clinton because I honestly think she shined – uh, far, I think she did better than Bernie in the last two debates, and unless it's a complete online poll by millennials, um, you know, pretty much everybody agrees with no, me. No, th- that's just a jump in. This is Mark. I think that's what Brad's saying. She initially thought it would help Hillary, no, I know, but I like know. what you're saying, Leslie, is, and Brad but, is, but it's backfiring. It's actually right, hurting but that's her and the whole I, party. But th- when you look at the rating, that's another thing, Brad. Once it's set, is it set, or can you change it, or is it set? Well, basically, because of the network needs to schedule and all the logistics involved, it has to be scheduled in advance because the networks, it takes a long time for the networks to produce each one of these things. Can you add one? Can you add one if you say to the networks, look, you know, uh, you know, my bad? Or I, I mean, is it yes. is there any way yes, that sure. she was – is there any way, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, okay, we know you look at the calendar. We know when Christmas is. Uh, she's Jewish. <laughs> she's not thinking in terms of Christmas. But at the same time, okay, every single date going forward, like, you know, next week, MLK, MLK Day, um, uh, maybe the football game that, you know, she's not aware of. Is there any way – that this was any way, shape, or form, that this was not entirely calculated? I think it was calculated. And again, I think she did it because she was thinking she was helping Hillary, but she's really hurting her. And uh, I think the answer and, to your and, question. And talk more. Let's talk more about that. Why? I know. Do you agree with me that she shines in these uh, situations yes, and, and that her expertise, especially in areas of foreign policy or uh, immigration or national security, because she definitely has a lot more experience in those areas than Senator Sanders, uh, is, you know, how much is it hurting her? And are these numbers we're seeing right now, and I want to talk about those numbers in a moment, a proof of that? Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. She has shined in these debates. The problem is that no one's watching them. No, no, uh, I get that. Brad, Brad, I love you. We're talking in a bloody circle here. Do you think – okay, let me, let me put it in, in a different way. Do you feel 
that Hillary has lost uh, that that Ber- that Bernie has gained ground in Iowa uh, and and lost ground in New Hampshire, and that Hillary the opposite, um, because they have not been seen enough by people perhaps in these states. Well, I don't think it matters in the primary, but it will matter ne- this November. Uh, no, I don't think it's had much of an effect on the outcome of the Democratic primary, but it could on the election in November because she is not getting the exposure. Hillary Clinton is not getting the exposure she deserves. Okay, so let's talk about Iowa. Let's talk about New Hampshire. As of now, today, Brad, uh, approximately what are the poll numbers in Iowa and New Hampshire? How close are they? Who's leading who? Let's talk about that first. Well, in Iowa, let's talk about Iowa first because it comes first. Uh, I think uh, Hillary is the clear front runner in Iowa. Uh, I think you know. I I'm going to go on a limb here. I think. And, and what's his name? The guy that predicts and you know normally predicts accurately or fairly accurate. Yeah, he called it for her. He called it for Iowa, and I think he's right about that. Now, New Hampshire is a different story. Uh, I think Bernie could very well end up winning New Hampshire, and part of the reason he's going to win New Hampshire is he lives next door. Uh, What what are the poll numbers now, though? I thought he had lost some traction in New Hampshire and Hillary had improved there. Uh, Hillary, no. In the last week or so, Sanders has picked up a lot of ground in in, uh, in New Hampshire. And the the great thing about New Hampshire for Bernie is that about 20% of the Democratic primary voters uh, in New Hampshire watch Vermont television. Uh, so they know Bernie very well, and that's helping them in New Hampshire. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if Bernie won, but I think Hillary's going to win New Hampshire. And uh, I think that that will be a big problem if the only thing that Sanders comes out of this thing is with New Hampshire, because after Iowa and New Hampshire, you go to states that should be strong Hillary states. And I think Bernie's going to have a lot of trouble if he doesn't win both of them, but I think it's going to be tough for him to win Iowa. Okay, so if one wins Iowa, Hillary, and one wins New Hampshire, Bernie, um, uh, you know, it's historically, we've had people win either of those states and not become the nominee and certainly not become president. Which state matters more to a Democrat? Iowa. Uh, Iowa does. Uh, it's, in, it's not on the, you know, it's in the American heartland. Uh, first of all, there are... The Iowa sends more delegates to the Democratic National Convention uh, than New Hampshire does by about twice as much. So the reality is, if uh, Hillary wins Iowa and Bernie wins New Hampshire, and that could very well happen, Hillary's going to come out with a lot more delegates because Iowa's a bigger state and has more delegates. Okay. Then we go to South Carolina, which Hillary Clinton is going to win in a landslide, right? I think so. The, the basic one of the major problems Bernie campaign has is Hillary has staunch, solid support from blacks and Latinos. And in in South Carolina, at least half the Democratic primary voters are black. And that's also true the states that go the next week, uh, uh, March 1st on Super Tuesday. A lot of those are southern states that have large, uh, either large black Populations or Latino populations, or in the case of Texas, both. Uh, and I think she's going to win a lot of those states because. Bernie- 
Bernie has very little support among black and brown Democrats. And not to mention, Bernie is a northern Yankee socialist Jewish boy. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Brad Bannon's my co-host. We have more calls. If you're holding, hang on, coming to you. And uh, if you want to join us, 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Lots of tweeting going on. Uh, winners and losers, Dennis O'Toole said Trump, so I don't know who he meant. Is he a winner or a loser? Um, Wendy uh, tweets, New York values are liberal values and have nothing to do with 9-11 about real Donald Trump acting uh, liberal. By the way, I think Ted Cruz hurt himself with the state of New York. Um, ATP says nobody really watched the debate. Uh, d- the debate at this point is too early. Uh, those who watch in hope of a car wreck. And Joe says, Leslie, uh, you know that Debbie Wasserman Schultz did what she did to protect Hillary from real questions and answers. Hillary's been asked real questions and given real answers, I think. Uh, V.F. Castro um, says the debate scheduling was incredibly mishandled, like the DNC didn't think Clinton would have competition. And uh, let me see. Eddie says she's hiding Hillary and her illnesses. I've seen a Band-Aid on her right hand. It looks like... I can't understand that. I can't understand that. Um... And uh, MJ says there aren't many Republicans in the city of Manhattan to the point of those being liberal. And uh, Michael says Cruz called Trump a liberal, and I agree. We'll be back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. New York values are. I am from New York. I well, 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 you're from New York, so yeah. you might not. But I promise you, in the state of South Carolina, they do. And, and listen, there are many, many wonderful, wonderful working men and women in the state of New York. But everyone understands that the values in New York City are socially liberal or pro-abortion or pro-gay marriage, focus around money and the media. And, and I guess I can, can frame it another way. Not a lot of conservatives come out of Manhattan. I'm just saying. <laughs> conservatives actually do come out of Manhattan, including William F. Buckley and others, just so you understand. New York is a great place. It's got great people. It's got loving people, wonderful people. When the World Trade Center came down, I saw something that no place on earth could have handled more beautifully, more humanely than New York. You had two 110-story buildings come crashing down. I saw them come down. And we saw more death and even the smell of death. Nobody understood it. And it was with us for months, the smell, the air. And we rebuilt downtown Manhattan. And everybody in the world watched, and everybody in the world loved New York and loved New Yorkers. And I have to tell you, that was a very insulting statement that Ted made. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, the uh, Daily News at the Statue of Liberty uh, flipping the bird, the middle finger up to Ted Cruz today. Let's go to one of our New Yorkers, Michael in the Bronx, uh, uh, joining us here. Uh, Michael is on 
Uh, okay, thank I'm you. Here. Michael, uh, go ahead. As a member of New York, one of the five boroughs there in the Bronx, I know you're a, a Democrat and you wouldn't like you know, Ted Cruz's politics, but what about – how did you feel about what he said about New York? A lot of people in New York were very um, – and not just the city. I think even the state were very offended. And it was an it was offensive because of the context of Ted Cruz. I didn't like what um, Donald Trump said either. Both of them I find quite despicable because, yes. Yeah, I like how Trump well, includes himself in, you know, the repair of 9-11, the building of the city and that kind of thing. I'm sick and tired of Trump and these right-wingers politicizing 9-11. First off, yes, we are a city that believe in equal rights, and if that's doing that is wrong. I don't want to be right. Okay, but the thing is also is that Donald Trump has a lot of gall talking about nine eleven, trying to cover up his own crap. And the thing is that he's going to say that people there are lovable, and he's going to talk about the people that died. Here's a newsflash: amongst the people that died on nine eleven are the same ethnicity that he's been trashing: blacks, Mexicans, Muslims. Immigrants, um, Muslim Americans, Mexican Americans. The thing is that they were all people. Yeah, and you know what? We're running out of time. Michael, thank you for that. And thank you, Brad, as always, for being with us. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you to Mark. Thank you to Andrew. And I just want to say, you know what? New York shows diversity, and I think that is a value.